Good morning and welcome to episode 20, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here. And and it's a good one. So you picked a good one to tune into. I really enjoyed this conversation, uh, this interview with this guest. Um, so let's get to it. Uh, today, my guest is Parker McLean from Hark Creative in Vancouver, British Columbia. Man, was this an awesome conversation. Uh, Parker has stories to share and has such an interesting worldview. I love it. I'm super excited for you guys uh, to hear this episode, if you can't tell already. Um, a couple of points I wanted to make before I get right into this episode is Parker shares a story about when he was in grade three and his parents offered him a new bike. And he said, nope, I would actually rather have tickets to the Broadway show in town, which is awesome. Super fun. Um, we talk about how Parker was born with a cleft palate and for the first 10, 12 years of his life really struggled with communication. And that you know, caused him to be fascinated by you know, nonverbal communication and how other people communicate in general. So that was great. And I love the, the few lines he drops uh, at the end of the episode here where he's giving advice to new designers in the field and also the tool that he so I can't really call it a tool, but the way he answers the last question, you know, what is a, a tool or community or something you just could not live without? I love his answer to it. So enough of me. You guys want to hear from Parker. So let's get to it. Parker McLean from Hark Creative. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? How are you, Parker? I'm doing fantastic. I am back in the office after a few weeks on vacation and, and feeling completely juvenile in my approach to everything. And so I think today is a great day to be chatting with you. because I feel like Perfect. I Let's roll with this then. I love it. <laughs> cool. uh, so start with the tough one. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, I, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm Parker McLean. I, I run a little brand strategy and design agency called Heart Creative. Uh, I'm a highly sensitive person who struggled for a long time to, to find a career where I could actually use as a strength. And I feel like I found that and, and I'm excited to tell you about it today. So based on that answer, I'm really interested in this one. What was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood? And if yes, what made it so? Hmm. Jeez. How much time do you have? <laughs> I, I was born with, a cleft palate, uh, which meant that for the first 10 or 12 years of my life, I had a fairly debilitating speech difference. Uh, and so the first few years of my life and, and many of my earliest memories centered and center on finding ways of communicating that were nonverbal. Mm -hmm. So I would either draw or play music or produce magic shows for my family where uh, Enya or Backstreet Boys would be sort of pumping out of my jukebox while I expressed creatively some sort of transaction, in that case, a magic show. 
but essentially finding as many ways of communicating non-verbally as possible was was how I spent my earliest years and and I think in many ways how I spend my time now as well. Oh, very good. So that's very interesting. So then what do you think, so that basically led you to becoming a designer then, being you know, almost forced to find that creative, um, <clears throat> nonverbal communication, do you think so? Yes, no. I think that for me, because I had a speech difference and because even after it was repaired surgically, I, I had to go through speech therapy, mm-hmm. I have always been fascinated and maybe even fixated on the ways that other people communicate what they need to communicate. And as a brand strategist and brand designer, I think that my job often is made successful by my ability to study the ways that other people are trying to express what's in their heart mm-hmm. and finding a clear and concise and measured way of doing that is really all I have to do at the end of that equation. Interesting. Okay, so then take us back to when you first started noticing design out in the world. Um, was there a moment where you went, oh, interesting. Are you, what did you start seeing? Oh, man, that's such a good one. I, I like to tell this story often in different contexts, but I'll, I'll try to make this work here. Uh, when I was eight, my parents were divorced and remarried and, and just family stuff happened. Mm-hmm. And for the conclusion of grade three, uh, my parents said, all right, we're getting all of you kids bikes for the summer. You're going to have new bikes. And I said, that sounds like it's not for me. Uh, What I would rather have was tickets to this Broadway musical that's coming through town. So my mother, who was a very generous parent of a young queer child, said, yeah, great. Let's go do that. And sitting in the auditorium downtown Vancouver for the first time in my life, looking through the the printed program and understanding that each and every page had been designed for me, the audience, that I was the audience that had been designed for in that moment mm-hmm. was really incredible. Up until that point, I'd been seeing TV commercials that were for other people or uh, TV commercials that were for an American audience. And never had I felt marketed to until I was in that auditorium with my mom at this event that I wanted to go to. <laughs> and that that's my first memory of noticing that somebody had designed an experience for me to have. And I think still motivates the way that I approach graphic design today. That's great. So what age do you think that was? Oh, I was like eight or nine years old. Wow. Uh, so still tiny looking like Kevin McAllister from home alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's like me. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm in the print and design game. So that's my first thing when I go to, you know, my kids' pre- plays or their shows through school or whatever that is. I'm, I'm analyzing that brochure, that playbill, that handout. Sure. Absolutely. And like, what a curse, right? To, to have this lens that is so difficult to put down when approaching the public. I, I'll get on a city bus and the first thing I do is look up at the, the poetry in transit piece mm-hmm. that is at the front of every one of the trolley buses in Vancouver. Um, not because I'm particularly interested in what I might have to say, but because I love that there's this beautifully typeset piece at the front of everything, uh, every bus that I ever board. I think it's such a lovely constant. Um, I love that. Yeah, my wife hates it because I'll spend hours in the grocery store analyzing different new (laughs) packaging, different packaging. Oh, look what they did on this one. Oh, they rebranded. Look, new paper. (laughs) 
<laughs> I hate to feel like a flake, but I, I shop the same way, which is completely intuition based, based on what colors a certain product is chosen or, or the way that it's typeset. I, um, I hate to feel so superficial, but it feels good. But that's why it's done that way. That's why it's designed <laughs> that way, because people do shop on instinct, shop on visual. Absolutely. Super good. So then in your journey so far, what do you feel has been the most influential design so far? Something you've seen or something you've been a part of? In terms of what has been most influential to me as a designer, I think that looking at Eric Spiegelman's work, um, the the type designer, uh, I'm so interested in the way that he's been able to establish this really well-recognized, well-referenced career as uh, a, a type designer. And yet his most um, personal projects are just these beautifully pithy statements. And so actually my, my desktop background right now is one of his um, type works, which is just the German phrase, alles wird gut, which means like everything is going to be okay. All will be okay. And I've always been really interested in designers who use their uh, credence and their stature as, as sort of world leaders in the space as a platform to communicate their personal ethos or their personal approach to the world. Um, when I was a younger designer looking at a, a more sort of Instagram informed understanding of what graphic design was, Tina Roth Eisenberg, the, the founder of Creative Mornings, was sort of top of my design inspiration list because almost all the time she was posting on Instagram, not about design, not about type size, not about color selection, but about being kind to one another. And so her work and her platform over the past few years have been so, so, so important to me um, as a champion for people who are approaching design business in a different way. That's great. Yeah. Looking from a different perspective and just seeing it that way. Mm -hmm. It's important to me because I think that my graphic design is never um, the kind of design that will go out and win a design award or, or will gain uh, publicity in a magazine for just the design alone. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to gravitate towards design that feels um, effortless and gestural towards an audience. It sort of meets the audience halfway. Uh, and finding designers who are approaching their work in similar ways has always been very inspiring to me. I totally get that. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? As I mentioned earlier, I'm a highly sensitive person. I, I, pride, I feel a great deal of pride around that uh, in terms of the way that I operate in the world. But that has made running my own design agency really, really difficult. I have been challenged time and time again to feel that my work is meaningful enough to actually be sacrificing as much as I am to run my own business. Um, there's a lot of stress on the table and there's a lot of triage that I have to do in terms of what I'm worrying about and what I'm not worrying about on any given day. And that is the hardest part of being a designer, being a strategist for me, is finding the spiritual and emotional space that I need to actually feel like I'm being a good human and, and treating myself with respect while also managing a project load that can sometimes be untenable. Man, that would be so challenging because you're constantly going to be your own worst critic. 
yes, no. Like, I, I think that I have a tendency, I think we all have a tendency to stray into self-abuse in that way. But I try to be mindful in my design approach and, and try to treat myself with kindness. And so when I've had to in the past, rather than saying, okay, buckle down, show up and, and pull all-nighters, I've had to take space from the work and go on sabbatical when necessary and, and make sure that I have the perspective that I need to bring my best self to my clients. Got it. I like that. That's an interesting question. I, I'm going to have yeah. to talk about that with my counselor next week. <laughs> <laughs> Taking in the answer and really processing that. That's great. Yeah, so something a bit more surface level, social media. Uh-huh. Has social media changed graphic design or the process of design? And do you feel that it's beneficial or harmful? Social media is an interesting one. I think that as a branding professional, it is part and parcel for me to talk about how valuable it can be to round out a a brand's public perception and certainly a great way of expressing brand pillars. And yet I don't use social media at all for either my personal marketing or my business's marketing. I've been on a three month hiatus and I think I'll probably extend that (laughs) beyond this conversation. Um, because I'm interested in the ways that social media has become more of the horse and more of the cart. And, and I am tentative to answer a question about how social media has changed because I'm just not sure that it's as relevant as it used to be um, from my work's perspective. Uh-huh. I think that having really succinct and clear brand positioning on a corporate website or a nonprofit's website is more important than showing uh, a bunch of impressions of that brand um, dispersed over time. I'm somebody who is soft-spoken myself, and I think that brands that have the confidence to be soft-spoken in their approach to their uh, audiences are of interest to me. You know, that's why I love this question and I, and I stick to it, um, you know, through these different interviews because some of them are repetitive and, you know, yes, it can work for both good and bad copyright issues, you know, but it's also great to be found and that sort of thing. But every few interviews, I get an answer that really is something that makes you pause and think and, and that's what you've given. So I, I appreciate that. I really like the different perspective on it. Um, I'm going to skip the next question because you answered that earlier with um, a couple of the people that you had mentioned as far as inspiring work. Um, But how do you gauge if your designs are resonating with their intended audiences? In terms of gauging resonance uh, of my work with an intended audience, I have to be honest and and say that there are two answers to that question and and both of them are equally relevant in every branding process that I go through. Mm -hmm. The first answer is that as an empath and and as somebody that has been cursed slash blessed with the ability to really inhabit other people's emotional spaces, I have a very strong intuition when it comes to my creative. And, And so I feel well-informed when presenting creative to my clients that it will land with their audience because I spent a lot of time doing stakeholder interviews with audience members rather than just an internal client group so that I can get as close of a sense as possible to who is actually on the other side of the computer when such and such brand goes live. Mm 
Mm -hmm. So that's the first answer is like, do good research and trust my heart. The second answer is, is just a great deal of community consultation. So most of my projects spend at least two to three months in a community rollout phase before the brand is actually launched publicly, mm-hmm. where I get in a room with people and talk about the new logo and logotype and byline and whatever else is going into this brand um, to get a sense of what is being brought up for them. Not questions of, is this balanced or is this readable from 20 feet away? Uh, but instead, what does this remind you of? Or, or how could you attach this to one of your currently held understandings of this organization? Or what does this bring up? Um, essentially, becoming a marriage counselor for, for prospective audience members and the brand that I'm putting forward. Uh, and trying to understand the commonalities and uh, diversion points between the two is a huge part of how I approach that process. The heart. Yeah, it's all about the heart, right? <laughs> I, I'm sitting here just saying a bunch of blah, blah. <laughs> is the leading with the heart is the hardest and most brave part of what I do, but it's also the most valuable in terms of the value that I bring to not my clients, I'm sure it's mm-hmm. valuable for clients, but more the value that I bring to their audiences, the respect and due attention that I bring to them. All right. So the heart's going to be in this next one for sure. Cool. Hit it. Take, take us to a design or a project you were a part of uh, that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Hmm. I think that... I had an answer written for this question, but I'm going to leave that one behind and just speak from the heart a little bit. Yes, yes. Can you give me a starting point for my answer so that I can give you a nice pithy sound bite? Uh, I guess it would be like the project that was hard and and how I got through that. Is that the question? Yeah. So uh, why don't I just read the question again? Cool. Sounds great. Take us to a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? That's an interesting question because I think that um, not going well <laughs> is a, a trait of almost every project for somebody with any amount of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am always holding a gun to my head in terms of, is this the right amount of work? Have I done enough to satisfy the client? Are there expectations that I don't know about? And there's all these insecurities that come up as a designer. So I think in terms of projects that haven't gone well, I would say, all of them and also none of them because so often <laughs> so true. parameters of success are completely self-inflicted and, and, uh, and important from an emotional processing perspective, but uh, I don't think it's been clientele. But to answer your question, I'm working right now on a fairly large scale branding process for a client that I, I can't name, but mm-hmm. what has been difficult is that Late in the process, once we already have the website complete and the print assets designed and the new name already locked and board approved, uh, there's been a community group that has come forward and said, we don't have any love for this work. In fact, we feel like it's perhaps violent with regards to our um, community's history. And 
I think that that's been a really interesting process for me to observe as a neutral third party because it is a conversation that has to be held between the client group and this organization, this community group. Mm-hmm. Um, but what has really come to light through that is this idea that as a designer, every time we decide who we're designing for or what we are designing, we are also making a decision that's quite silent about who we're not designing for and what we're not expressing through design. And this process, this pinch point, this tension that I've been sort of uh, negotiating and navigating Mm -hmm. has all come from that initial shortfall of of maybe we didn't think through far enough who we needed to be designing for and, and by extension who we're not. Uh, I think that every time we do design, we're doing violence in some way or another because we are leaving people out of our research and we are leaving people out of our stakeholder groups. And that will always be the case. I don't think that we can design with everybody in mind all the time. That's what I was thinking. That's almost a necessary evil. Absolutely. And I think that for me, the work has been understanding that that will always be there. It's not one or the other. You're not doing a good job or a bad job with strategy or design. You are always just doing design. And that means that you're having to figure this out at whatever time you're having to hear from a new community group at whatever time they feel like they have space to express themselves. And there's not a right time and a wrong time to do that. And I think so often as designers, we begin to gripe about people having feedback or input at the time that is inappropriate. But what a beautiful gift to have those insights offered to us as professionals. I I can't think of another sector where people have as wide of input as graphic designers do. When Airbnb launched their new logo, it was like a section news on the New York Times, right? And when City of Vancouver launched their new logo, it was at the top of my newsfeed for days on Facebook. And I think that that's such a gift as designers that people feel such engagement with our work and approaching it as a benefit rather than a bug is um, important to me. For sure. What an interesting story. I really like that perspective. So then switching gears and going to the other side of the fence, what project or what is a project that you have been a part of that you are the most proud of? One that either makes your heart sing or is the biggest design feather in your cap? I'm going to be kind of annoying and then say like the same project. I, I think that like yes. for me, the work that feels the most challenging and the most testing in terms of what I am made of as a person and what I believe in as a professional is the work that means the most to me at the end of the day. I've always been a self-initiated person who grew up with some adversity and I'm interested in opportunities to take a problem space and instead of treating it as such, also make it the design space. I think that when things get hard is a great time to find that we're so capable of bravery and, and we're so fierce. Each and every one of us is so fierce that we can push through anything. And I think that this project that I've just sort of outlined for you in vague terms has been such an opportunity for me. The most challenging usually is the most rewarding. 
absolutely right like anybody who's been married can agree with that like like my marriage is hard and me and my husband have gone to marriage counseling for years Mm -hmm. and that's been difficult work but it has led to one of the most loving relationships that i know about on planet earth like i feel so proud of what i have accomplished with him and i think that that's just another design study of like you get out what you put into something Mm -hmm. your ability to understand that nobody's at fault is what makes a great design process really work yeah i love what you brought up there i love that so what piece of advice would you offer to new design grads looking to learn more or make their mark in the industry? I try to take as many coffees with junior designers as possible. I think that like designers who are right out of school have so much to teach me in terms of what they're passionate about and what is happening from a grassroots design perspective in our mm-hmm. space. And so I have these conversations often. People are, these young designers are so intelligent and sophisticated in, in their mission at that time in their lives to ask me that question. Like, what is the advice that you want to give me? And I never fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did have advice. I, like, I, I wish I did have some prepackaged musings to sort of offer. But I never do because I think that what I wish that somebody had told me when I was a young designer was that the way that I was approaching design was okay. And the way that I was showing up in the world was enough. And the experience that I had was interesting. And instead I spent year after year reading widely and and reading blog after blog, magazine after magazine, book after book, trying to find out what it was that would potentiate me as a designer. And in the end, well, it's certainly not the end, but in the middle, I, I find that it's really the things that are unique to me, that I grew up with a weird sounding voice, that I come from a family of seven kids, that I, like all of these things that I try to hide as a young professional are actually the things that make me excellent at my job. And every time I'm chatting with a young designer, I try to express that same um, note that the things that are difficult for them and the spaces that they have the most trouble being graphic designers are probably going to be the areas where they're able to make the most impact and by extension find the most satisfaction from their jobs and i think that's what we're all after so true yeah because you as a person your journey is crafting you know it's basically your story and it doesn't need to echo or follow a book or a manual yes there are skills but you've got your own essence and flavor based on your story. That's right. That I was, can be infused in work. Hmm. Uh, there's an interview with Michael Chabon, uh, who's a novelist. And, and in it, he talks about how when he's setting out to write a new book, say it's about a little girl walking through the woods to see her grandmother and she gets pursued by a wolf. Say <laughs> Uh, instead of seeing Little Red Riding Hood as a conflict for him writing that story, because it's so close to what he wants to be doing with his work, he sees it as the most important starting point, because no matter what, because he himself is writing this new piece, it will be better and it will be different because it's him writing it. Uh And I think that young designers often get stuck trying to find what is different about their work or, or what could be... Um, edge pushing or forward facing in their portfolio 
instead of talking about what's honest and, and instead of designing something that can be seen as a reflection of who they are, I, I think that young designers need to stop looking at trend forecasting and stop looking at dribble and behance and start looking inwards and understanding what matters to them and designing something that reflects that and trusting that the world will take care of the rest. So you could say designing from the heart? <laughs> you could. <laughs> uh, like, I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> like, being proud of who you are is something that we get taught in school um, forever. And yet, when it comes to actually being a professional and actually having a real, real job where you're doing this for money, it can be so easy to forget that lesson in entirety and instead be like, okay, who do you want me to be? Or like, what do you want me to design like? Or, or what are the references that you wish that I could be close to in the final mm-hmm. output? And uh, people get stuck in Pinterest boarding for that very reason, I think. And my advice to young designers is always like, stop, like stop looking at other visual media, start reading stuff, start reading stuff that challenges you. Read the newspaper every day from a different continent, like, like find a worldview that is going to push you and design from that point of discomfort rather than going with what you know all the time. Well said. Um, I want to round up with one last question here. What is one design product tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? I'm going to ignore most of that question and just say that community is so important to me. I, okay. I, am, I could not be less interested in design hacks or life hacks. and I live my life as um, slowly as possible. So I don't really have tools as such, but my community of peers has been integral to me becoming the professional designer and strategist that I am today. Mm-hmm. I am an introvert. I hate going to networking stuff. I loathe the idea of sitting in a room and waiting for a conversation to just spontaneously erupt between me and somebody else. And so I've had to find opportunities to gain experience and support from other designers in my space and other agency runners in my space outside of those confines. And it's taken a lot of effort. I go for quarterly coffees and and weekly dinner dates with a number of people who are all helping me keep my career as one part of my life without it becoming the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Because I think that that's such a difficult balance as as a design professional. When I was younger, I would totally pull on laters and do design on the weekends, but that's just not a reality for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And having a community that can help me feel human and, and feel totally normal in my approach to my work has been invaluable. Parker, I love that answer. Community. Yeah, community. I uh, wanted to just say thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for being on the quickie. That's the end of my questions. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, speaking from the heart. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. And, and thank you for asking questions from the heart as well. I think that as a podcaster, it can be so easy to trot out the same sorts of conversation points as everybody else. And the work that you're doing through the quickie is so insightful because it really is asking questions about my motivation and spirit and, and worldview. And that's All right. Thank you for listening to this one. I told you. I told you it was a good one, right? Yeah. Love chatting with Parker. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode today. Uh, please don't forget to go to iTunes and Spotify and subscribe to the podcast. New episodes every single day. 
terrifying to say out loud, but we are doing it. So new episodes every single day. Um, and that's all I want to say. Subscribe. If you've already listened to it, please leave a review, leave a rating on iTunes. It helps more creatives, more designers find out or come across these conversations and get involved in these conversations. So I would appreciate that. Now, go have an awesome day. Take care.